Hey there, I'm just going to get right to it today and ask a question as I am driving away from my house after um, a significant amount of time of child rearing. <laughs> um, and just asking myself the question, is there anything in life more revealing of the will of man than what we see in the heart of a child? I mean, is there anything, if you're a parent, is there anything that reveals your own issues more than interaction with your children? <laughs> I feel like I incrementally learn this more and more and more as we go, as we, as my son gets older. And this morning, just the time with him, I just, man, I was just, I was just moved. I was literally, I literally felt like in my heart just the reality of some things reflecting on myself when I was his age. You know, he's halfway to eight now, seven and a half. And, you know, some, a lot of people don't remember their childhood, but for whatever reason, I really vividly remember, and I've referenced that on here on occasion. But, I mean, I remember that age. I remember even certain events around that time frame, and I know that time frame of my life because we moved... Um, across town to an entirely different neighborhood and school system and, and you know, really a lot of different way of life. Um, when I was eight and I turned nine, I remember our first summer there, I, I turned nine years old, if my memory's right. Um, so it would have been like 1980, 1981, um, 81 when, we, when I turned nine there. Is that right? No, it was 1980. I don't know. How old am I? <laughs> 80, 81. Around that vicinity. Whatever the case, I remember like that time frame. I remember certain things of, of changing schools. And, um, you know, we all have different marks of our childhood, different experiences and uh, pivotal moments of life as a child and I remember and for whatever reason I I just remember my kind of my heart's condition when I was seven eight nine um I remember just being very tender-hearted I, I I see it in my son so clearly like just really being tender-hearted and um kind of kind of gentle natured, if you will. I remember writing my mother notes a lot, writing I love you, you know, here and there, giving her gifts. Like I remember one time my older brother and I, and, and I believe my dad, we walked to a yard sale on our road. And <laughs> this is just funny, right? I remember buying her 
the ceramic pot with that old school, and I guess you can still get it for like cemetery use and stuff, the newer version, but this was the old, you're going to have to be older to even know what this is, but they used to put artificial flowers in this stuff. Now it would kind of be like modern foamy, you know, um, maybe they still make the exact same thing. I don't know. But it was this weird foam that when you stuck stuff in, you know, it stayed, but it was crumbly and yucky and nasty. Um, you know, if, if you like touch it at all, it starts to turn to powder. But I remember at this yard sale, they had this little planter with these really horribly awful looking fake flowers. And, you know, fake flowers weren't like they are now in, you know, say 1978, 79, 80. <laughs> um, they didn't look real in the slightest. I, the weirdest thing is I can still remember them. I can still imagine them now. But they were just plastic. I mean, they were, they didn't even look real at all. But I remember as a child, I'm assuming from my memory, I was probably around seven, that I remember buying those for my mom. And I remember I had the idea of when we got to the house, asking my dad if I could spray some of her perfume on them so that they would smell real. <laughs> and I remember my dad in in his kindness I guess let me do it I believe I think I did it um and so like they you know maybe I don't know if I thought she would think they were real or or whatever the case that I don't know I just had this little child childish idea of making these plastic flowers maybe smell real from a gift from my mom and I remember giving them to her and if memory serves correctly I remember she set them on the toilet tank or somewhere around there in the bathroom um again a gift from a child right who cares what it is that's that's the heart of a parent um but I remember things like that and <laughs> specific things just for storytelling fun I guess but I remember being like that I was very gentle natured I was very kind I was I like I liked showing affection um I just remember that. I don't know. I was somewhat sensitive, you know, in light of my older brother and like how he saw me and how he viewed me and going through the complexities of being the younger brother five years younger. And as he got older and that disconnect inevitably began to happen and like those emotions that I wrestled with for so many years, you know, about that change of when your big brother doesn't think you're so cool anymore and you're not playing Star Wars and Hot Wheels in the tent that you made with your fold-up lawn chairs anymore. Um, you know, I remember those trying times as a child, but I was just struck today, this morning as I was talking with my son and really working through his present understanding of what obedience really is and like we're trying to get into his heart and kind of bypass just a a head knowledge of obedience you know we're pursuing our the hearts of our children right that's what we're trying to apprehend is their hearts we don't just want robotic children who repeat back to us whatever it is we want them to do the whole point is that their heart is turned towards us and as the scripture tells us that 
that their hearts correctly positioned towards us in obedience brings joy to us, their parents, that, that they can bring joy to us. And so trying to get past just that mouth response of where we presently are with everything is just okay, you know, instruction, 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 okay. Well, okay has lost its pizzazz, okay? I mean, okay has lost its interest in our home. And basically just thinking through the realities, and, and I, would, I would like to think that the Lord brought these things to my memory today because I, I really, for lack of better words, felt the spiritual prowess behind the principle of child training today. And that happens, thank the Lord, sometimes it happens, you know, that something beyond our just training our children comes to mind and stirs in us so that we are spiritual men training our children. And even how we speak to them is as a spiritual man, as our spiritual headship over them, their representation of God until they personally encounter Him and know Him for themselves, that is my place. And so this morning was a very encouraging example of that. But I was just struck at the reality of I, I, I went to the scripture that talks about the truth of it's better to, to immediately say no and then go and do the matter than to say yes and not. And, and, you know, obviously in our household, we're stuck on the ladder, which is okay, but there's no evidence of any change. There's no heart change. There's no fruit of obedience in a matter. There is only lip service. Saying yes and going off and literally forgetting anything that you agreed to or were called to be obedient to until it comes around again and you just say okay again. All right, that's not okay. And we are actually told that it is better to say no and then turn, hopefully within the confines of conviction and a heart towards obedience, then, in fact, go and do it anyway. That that is more pleasing of an activity than a quick response of yes, but never doing the instruction. And so, like, that's where I'm at this morning. And, of course, I think on my own life, and to connect what I just shared, I remember when I was young, Something in me, we can just say it's the depravity of the Adamic curse. We can say it's the outset of the enticement of the deceiver. We can call it the expansion of the human will. We can call it a many we can call it many things that are all in fact true. But the whatever we want to call it is irrelevant. But the whole point is, I, I don't remember a certain circumstance, of course, but I can remember some, some things about the season of my life where I realized a light came on in my fallen natural man condition of, you know what, I think I can use this to my advantage. I think I might be able to use my tenderness, my sweetness, my 
whatever good attributes, of course, but I think I might be able to kind of get some stuff from this. And you know, I really did that. It's a manipulation spirit. It's a it's a a self-propelled self-advantage you know, perversion of what is right and good and godly given anyway. And great when harnessed and submitted in obedience to be used rightly. Of course, it's a gift, but as with anything, can be used wrongly, can be mishandled and misappropriated. And I was just, I was struck by that this morning about just that reality of, I don't feel like I'm afraid of that. Like, oh God, no, 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 don't let my son be like me. Don't let him be like I was. It's not that at all. It's the, it's the demand upon me as his father and his spiritual head to be alert and aware to matters that are more than just behavioral. We're not trying to have behavioral modification here. We're trying to apprehend the heart of my son and, according to the Scripture, present him to the truth and to our best ability through correction and discipline and exhortation and encouragement and in love and in patience and kindness and goodness that leads us all to repentance, should it be godly, bring him to a place of yielding his will to not seek advantage, to not seek the reward, seemingly, of getting one's own will granted. Because obviously the heart of a seven-year-old right now is like the paradise world, the epitome of perfection is when he's getting whatever he wants. And really, friends, can we say we're any different? Outside of the Spirit of God, outside of being new creations, we have no hope of ever being outside of that ourselves. Even as a 45-year-old man, I can't. I can't get beyond that in and of myself. It has to be a spiritual endeavor empowered by the Spirit of God with Jesus the Christ living through me, denying my own will, my own way. Only then can that be possible even for us as mature adults. I mean, can we not say the entire earth is covered with childish, self-motivated, self-influenced, strong, self-will adults? I mean, that's the whole world. You can start in the White House and go down. I mean, it's the epitome of exalting oneself and lowering everybody else. That's the way... Have I said this before? Is that the way of Cain? Yes, you better believe it is. Is the way of Cain. It's the the will of man exalting itself for advantage. And so I've just been struck by that today. And in a, that's no new news. That's nothing new. Oh my, I haven't thought along those lines. Wow, that's a that's a real revelation. Absolutely not. That's nothing new whatsoever. We know that, but. Another example this morning that's come through my son of, all right, Lord, please do this work in me. Do it in me. Help me. Teach me. Train me. Correct me. Discipline me. 
Lord, I love your law. I want to love your law in greater measure. Excuse me, I want to give myself incrementally more and more to not just say, yes, Lord, amen, and then go about my business and realize a month later I never, ever really gave myself to that matter or responded. I never really responded that to that conviction in a, in a more devoted heart of obedience. Again, may we be found, if anything, if we have to choose anything other than just like instant Instant yes, Lord, and then followed up by instant obedience carrying out the instruction. That is, of course, our goal. That is the Christ pattern of he, he heard and he saw and therefore he spoke and he did. That is our goal. But if we are going to remain in the process, which I believe we always will be unto death, in that process, if anything, we have to choose other than the perfect response, which I do believe, I do believe can come in areas of our life. And if the Word of God is true, must be present in our lives in growing measure. But if in the process I'm going to choose option B or C, may it be the one that says no but by the conviction within my heart of the Spirit of God living and moving in me, may I do it. May I turn from my disobedient response and then be found true and right and obedient in the action. Because we're told, again, that is what is better. Perfect example. I'm driving right here on the highway. Two days ago, I was driving the other direction on the highway, and I've been working through things for two days. Let's see, today's Wednesday. Yeah, two days, maybe three. Of, I lied to a brother on Saturday. You know, this is a perfect example. And like, if this doesn't drive home my point, I don't know what does. This, I hadn't even thought of the correlation of the two. I lied to a brother on a matter. It was trivial. It was not of utmost importance. It was nothing that was going to be any issue between us as far as like, you know, it wasn't some willful, like, well thought out, you know, rebellion in my heart lie. And, you know, to say that, but then follow that up with, I'm not trying to make it lesser either. I'm not trying to say, well, you know, it was just a innocent little white lie. I I didn't really I didn't really do anything too bad. <laughs> I'm not, you know, okay, let's hold those two in tension. I'm not saying it was an earth-shattering lie that you know, there would have been some division between this man and myself, nor am I saying, oh, it's just nothing. Okay, I'm not saying either side of those extremes. But what I am saying was, okay, I'm saying can is this similar in saying that like my response was disobedience. My initial response, my, my action, more than a response, my action was in deception. My action was sin. And so, it was wrong. <laughs> oh, that needs clarified. It was wrong at the outset. But the conviction of the Lord in me, the 
conviction of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, I can't say, well, he just wouldn't let me go. He was just pursuing me. I couldn't, like, I couldn't deny it. I couldn't, I had to confess. No, I could have chosen to not. I mean, we are given free will, people. Let's not make everything hyper-spiritual. I could have said no. I have the ability and the will to say no to the conviction of the Spirit of God within me. I can say no. Let's not be so arrogant to say, well, I'm just so in tune with the Spirit, brother. I couldn't have said no if I wanted to. Woo, have your way, Jesus. No. I could have continued in rebellion and said, "Uh uh-uh. That's too embarrassing. I'm just going to wait till it disappears, which probably would have happened. Okay? Let's be honest. That probably would have happened. I probably eventually would have forgotten. And every time the conviction of the Lord came, in denial and in rebellion of heart and hardness of heart, I could have said no to the point where it would probably have just gone away And I would have moved on and spiritually progressed, presumably. But in my heart, there would have been deception and lies. And let's be even clearer and go another step deeper. There there are those things in me yet now that only the Lord can remember and remind me should He desire me to confront that and confess that and turn from that yet today. Well, well, I thought Jesus forgives and forgets. Um, Yes. But if there's something deep down in me that is unclean and impure and contaminates this temple and he desires to get it out, are we so ignorant to think he will not shine his light into that place and bring a revelation of something to free us to greater measure? That's beside the point. We're not going to go down that road because I'm starting to get on the fringes of my point. So, to get back into that, so I called the brother right back there on the highway going the other direction the other evening. Uh, And I said, you know, I I just feel foolish even saying this and confessing this, but like I literally couldn't find an okay place with it. Like the Lord kept bringing it to mind every time I'd pray. It would come to mind every time I'd think about this guy it was just this little gnawing thing, like, Joel, come on. You know, you're, you're not a baby anymore. You, this isn't cool. It's not okay. Um, so I called him, and I told him, and I, I turned. I told him what I had done, that I was foolish, and I was a liar, and asked him to forgive me, and of course he did. And I liked how he responded. He wasn't like, oh, come on now. Why'd you do that? That was such a foolish little trivial thing. You didn't have to call me. You know, don't we all have people like that in our life? Brother, don't feel so bad. Pat us on the back. There's no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus, brother. It's okay. No, no, no. Goodness sakes. I talked about that months ago about confession. You know, if any of us have the courage to confess or if someone comes to us and confesses, Let's not make it so lighthearted and like, oh, it's okay. It's okay, brother. Don't feel so bad. I'm not trying to say let's make each other feel like dirt, but let's let the conviction of the Spirit do its job. 
If we go to someone or if someone comes to us in a heart of repentance, whether we deem the matter large or small, great or little, let's receive it for what it is, which is praise the Lord that the Spirit of God moves in a man to confess anything. Right? Let's not make it less. So praise the Lord this brother was spiritually man enough to be like, okay, I received that. I listen to that. I forgive you, brother. You know what? It's those little things. He said, it's those little foxes that get in there and can ruin everything. And, and that summarized how I felt. Like, if I gave myself to a small matter, a bigger matter's coming. I couldn't have gone. I, I, I could have gone. I could have been in rebellion, yes. But, like, I couldn't have done that and be a growing, maturing, spiritual man that I'm always talking and telling you to be that I'm always telling people to be. I can't go to bed at night as a hypocrite and be okay. And so, like, I either really believe that when I say the way of Cain wants to make its way in a man because God knew at the fall of man when a man bit into a fruit, really, is that that big of a deal? That reality that God knew the heart of the man was so corrupt that the next generation would become a murderer, that's the principle that I have got to live according to. I've got to live according to what I say. And I've got to live, more importantly, according to what I believe is true. Which is, if today I say a little white lie and eat an apple, tomorrow, you know what? There might be murder in my heart. Tomorrow, I might be overruled and overrun by deception. And brothers, we can't be that way. We can't be okay with that. So to go all the way back to where I started, may we be alert and aware of ourselves and of our children, of our fellowships of believers that we gather with. What are the patterns of the self-will that want to have their way? Start, of course, with ourselves. Start with the judgment being on the house of God. Let's examine the body. Let's examine ourselves individually in the mirror. Let's examine the ways and thoughts of our children and go to God as mature men and say, Lord, why are we this way? Of course I'm frustrated about how my son acts, but I'm not so captivated by what I see that I miss the undergirding reason why I see these things in him. May we be men who look according to the spiritual and see the fuel behind the motor that fuels ourselves, fuels our children, fuels our households, fuels our spirituality, and say, God, why are these things here? Even that, as I say that, why did I lie to that brother three or four days ago? Why did I do that? Well, there is deception and evil in me. That's why the finished work of Jesus Christ is unto a purpose, brothers. That's why I'm not perfect now. I don't care what anybody says. Well, you just gotta you gotta just try hard enough to believe, Joel, that the finished work has made you perfect. I am B 
being perfected. I am being sanctified unto the spiritual truth and reality of, yes, I am perfect in Jesus. I am seated now in heavenly places, but I'm driving down a highway. <laughs> We've got to understand these things as they were intended to be understood. We are in the process of moving from one thing, from one place unto another. So may we be that today. It's only 11.38. I've got a whole bunch of hours and opportunities today to walk out this truth. So may we just respond to the conviction of the Lord in our lives. Number one, do you have it? Like, is your conscience sensitive? Is your conscience sensitive to the voice of God? I mean, I've got some questions along those lines, but that's for another thing I'm already compiling. That, Like, do we hear the voice of God? And if we don't, we're not men of faith that I was convicted with when I recorded part two of the last series. We've got to be a sensitive people to the voice of the Lord. And we need to respond with a heart towards Him. Towards Him. So may that be true for us today. May it be true for you. To be soft. To be responsive. That heart of stone reality has got to become old news for those of us in Christ Jesus. That heart of flesh that can feel the conviction of God when it comes as what? Obedient children. Obedient children with not just lip service yes and no's. Obedient from our heart. Otherwise, we're 40-year-old men. We're 60-year-old men and women trying to give lip service with no heart behind it. And the Lord knows the heart of man, right? He does not see as man sees. So today, may we labor into being men whose hearts are towards God and whose hearts are yielded and, and that our will is truly His will. Your will be done, God, on earth in our lives as it is in heaven. Amen.